Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Guiding Truth series, which is based out of 1 Timothy. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God impacted you through these messages. About, uh, the book of 1 Timothy. And just to kind of give us some background, help everybody be on the same page, if you'll recall, uh, Timothy uh, was a young pastor at the church at Ephesus. Uh, it was a church, if you go to Acts chapter number 19, you find Paul traveling into Ephesus, starting this church. And as Paul was, I'm going to move these so... You just listen as I talk and do things. As Paul was uh, traveling around and starting churches, of course, Paul was one that he was a persecutor of the gospel, a persecutor of the church, but God saved him. He, he understood what Jesus was, and he received Jesus Christ as his Messiah. And so then Paul became not a persecutor, but a preacher of the gospel, and God would use him to start countless churches. One of those would be the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus, Paul would be there for a few years, and after a little bit of time, he would leave Tim. Timothy, a young preacher boy that he would leave to become the pastor of the church. And we know that Timothy would pastor this church and lead them, uh, lead them on for the Lord. But something that was challenging for these believers in Ephesus was the culture that they lived in. If you would recall with me, of course, Ephesus was um, a, a commerce city, one that people would know. It was a very famous city. And because of the diversity of the subjects that would live there and the people that would live there, it really just became infested with pagan worship. One of the uh, um, seven wonders of the world would be found in Ephesus. It would be called the Temple of Artemis or the Temple of Diana. Uh, on the right is what's left of it to this day. And on the left would be what they believe it would have looked like in its, uh, in its prime. The Temple of Artemis or the worship of Diana was one that was just an absolute horrific pagan worship. If you were to go and know that this city was known for this uh, known for this worshiping of, of Diana, because of this, the city and the people who were engaged in this would just be uh, completely steeped in and immersed in immorality and wickedness. You say, why is that? Well, Diana was seen as the goddess of sensuality. And so her temple literally just became a house of prostitution. And I, I want you to remember that that key, because it's going to be a reason as to why we see Paul writing what we're going to look at this morning. But this city, it was a culture that was just, as I stated, immersed in sin. And because of that, these believers, you can imagine that they were wondering if you really could live for God and love God in such a wicked environment. They perhaps thought, you know, Bible Christianity or this Christianity that you speak of, I, I believe in Jesus, but I just don't know if that love for God is attainable. Perhaps Timothy was wondering, how, how can I teach people to understand the power of God that can be at work in their life? With all of that in mind, I imagine Paul sitting down and pinning these words to young Timothy. And he writes to Timothy for the purpose of encouraging Timothy. Timothy, I just want to encourage you, and I want to strengthen you. I want to challenge you. Timothy, I want you and the church at Ephesus to understand that you can live for God in a godless culture. 
Timothy, you can love God in a loveless culture. Timothy, you can worship God in a culture that is worshiping every false God there is. Timothy, you and the church, you can stand for right and you can stand for truth and you can love God with your heart. And so Paul, he writes to Timothy these guiding truths to try to help them fulfill their purpose and to live out their lives in love with the amazing God that they serve. This morning, though, as we come to 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to find that Paul, he writes in 1 Timothy 2 to a specific group of believers. But this morning, as Paul writes to a specific group or, or writes in specificity, we need to know that there are lessons that every one of us can learn today. So as we come to this passage, we're going to find and discover that Paul, he's writing to the ladies of the church at Ephesus. And someone would say, all right, pastor, why would Paul be writing to the ladies of the church at Ephesus? Let's rewind and let's go to Acts 18. All right, we're there in Acts 18. Paul's traveling. He comes to this town of Ephesus. He sees everything I just described, a godless culture, the worship of Diana, all of these things taking place. Paul begins to preach, it's Jesus alone that gets you to heaven. It is not Diana. It is not false gods. It is Jesus and him alone. You must put your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Paul begins preaching that. People, they begin asking Jesus to be their savior. They begin putting their faith and trust in him. The worship of Diana kind of calms down. It kind of starts to die out. You go read the story in Acts 19 because as it dies out, the silversmiths or those who would make the shrines, they have a little union meeting. All those silversmiths do. The one lead silversmith, he calls them to you. He says, hey guys, listen, listen. Not only are we in jeopardy of losing our great city to this man, Paul, and this, this Jesus he preaches of, but our livelihood is at stake. Well, why was his livelihood at stake? Because people had stopped buying the little shrines. People had stopped buying the little statues to Diana because they knew that's false. That's not right. So if you think about it, Paul comes in and there is a great change taking place in the community. Man, people are beginning to trust Christ as Savior. People are beginning to understand that God has more to your life than this culture says he, than this culture says uh, they have for your life. And, and Paul, he's just preaching all of these wonderful truths. And you can imagine that as he's there, the people are strengthened, they're growing, and he leaves. Timothy stays behind. Fast forward a couple of years. I imagine that we would kind of need to know a little bit of the outlook towards ladies if we're gonna understand the context. If you were to go and you were to live in any one of these Roman cities under Roman rule, like Athens or Ephesus or Corinth or Thessalonica, you would discover that women were not viewed very well at all women were actually viewed as very low-level individuals. You can go, and most women were viewed as objects to obtain gratification. They were looked upon, even in the higher class, the rich ladies were viewed in a negative light. 
Because of this, many of those ladies and even some of those Christian ladies, they were trying to find their identity. They were trying to find their worth. They were trying to find fulfillment by doing anything they could to lift or build themselves up. They began to view themselves as low-level objects, and as such, they began living out lives with a desire to find fulfillment in low-level ways. And as you can imagine, this thinking, it would just take someone lower and lower. And this would cause the society to go further and further into sin. Well, some of those ladies who had, I said, received the Christ as Savior, they had been saved out of that lifestyle. They had been saved out of um, the sensuality and the different things that would be taking place in the, uh, the temple of Diana. But every now and then, they would be tempted to once again try to find worth in their old life. Oh, maybe they wouldn't go all the way back up to the temple and go back into such activity, but they began to try and get attention with ways that God didn't want them to. They began to try to prove their worth by focusing on the externals. As we come to our passage this morning, Paul writes to them and he's trying to encourage them and you'll see trying to encourage us, hey, you don't need to prove things by your externals. Don't try and find your worth in a, quote, identity. Instead, find your worth and your fulfillment in a heart that's completely focused on Jesus Christ. Find your worth in your relationship with Jesus. Don't focus on externals. Focus on a heart that's close to God. Find approval from God and God alone. And understand that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are approved. That's what Paul's writing about today. It's a great passage. And so I want you to see it with me. Stand with me if you would. And Paul writes to these ladies, listen, don't find approval on the outside. Instead, find approval within your heart. Talking about having a right heart with the Lord. And so the title of the message this morning is that it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Don't try to find fulfillment in the externals. Understand that God works on the heart. First Timothy chapter two, beginning in verse number nine. Here's what Paul writes. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Adorn your life with good works. Let the women learn in silence uh, that spirit of quietness with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. If you came to this passage, and there are people, and I might repeat myself in a minute, but there are people, they would look at a passage like this, and they would say, Paul looked down on ladies. I mean, look at that one verse, let them learn in silence with all uh, subjection. <gasps> Paul was a chauvinist pig. 
You say, pastor, that's what people say. That's what scoffers of the word of God say. And people will go, and you might even work with them, go far enough to say this, God is chauvinist. That's what people will say. But I'd like to take some time with you this morning, and I'd like to prove all those theories wrong. Because I want you to understand this morning, in this passage, I see God putting high value upon not just ladies, but every individual. God puts value upon your life. Whether you're a man or a lady, God puts value on you. He says, you are worth death to me because he proved his love by dying on the cross. But this passage is so helpful to help us understand that love and to help us understand that God is interested in us finding complete fulfillment in him and him alone, not in our identity, not in our externals, not in what we try to boast ourselves to be. He says, I want you to find your worth in me. I want you to see that with me this morning. With our heads bowed, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, why don't you just take a moment and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask God to speak to you And you can pray something simple. Dear God, please speak to my heart today. And then make a commitment that as God speaks to you, that you're gonna listen to him today. God, I thank you for the day and thank you for your love and uh, thank you for being so good to us. I pray right now that you would help us to uh, allow your word to speak I pray that you'd use it to challenge us today. And Father, that we would grow because of your word this morning. I pray that if there's anyone here they don't know for certain that heaven is where they would spend eternity, God, I pray that today you would help them to come to know you as their personal savior. We love you, Lord, and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. Well, I don't know if you've noticed this um, for this last week, uh, but it was snowing this last week. How many of you caught on? Uh, you know what, I, I was, uh, of course, this week, and you, you can blame Rebecca for the snow. Apparently, she's the one who really was praying for it. Is that right? That's what I heard. And uh, so since she, was, since she was praying for it, Micah, come here real quick. My microphone's really stuck. No, I, this isn't an illustration. My microphone's stuck on my belt, and I can't get the cord out. Would you undo all that? Can you do it? All right, thank you. Man, that's what I pay him for. <laughs> anyway, it snowed this last week, and um, something that is always, I've always found peculiar about snow and cold weather, and, and it's always just kind of make me shake my head, uh, it's those people, and maybe this is you, and if this is you, I'm not trying to pick on you, but I have questions about you. I question and I shake my head at the people that they try to prove their strength or their resilience by going out in the freezing cold in shorts and a t-shirt. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about, oh, I just got to run, you know, I'm just going to run outside real quick. I forgot something in the car. I'm just going to do it real fast. 
I'm talking about the people, I'm referring to the people that they go to run an errand or they go to do multiple tasks and they just slip on snow boots and a hat with shorts and a t-shirt. And then if you talk to them, they go, it's not that cold. Are you kidding me? It's two degrees. Uh, you know, you know they're freezing on the inside, but they're trying to prove something. I'm trying to prove how, I'm trying to prove how tough I am. You're going to get frostbite, man. Put a coat on. I mean, maybe they really are superhuman, but they're probably a cold superhuman. And sometimes I just want to say to them, throw some jeans on. Put a long sleeve shirt on. Put a coat on. Put some earmuffs on. I don't care. Put something on because it is freezing outside. You know, if you're going to go outside, you're going to actually be prepared to go outside. And they kind of make me shake my head. Why? Because they're trying to prove strength or toughness by freezing to death. I just don't understand it. As we come to our passage this morning, we find a similar anomaly. We find people, and Paul specifically writing, we find ladies, believers who were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but they had slipped back into the place of trying to prove their worth or find acceptance or approval to prove their strength as a lady by focusing on externals. As we look and as Paul writes to these ladies, I want us to understand that this can really apply to anybody. Because like that person who goes outside and tries to find their, try to prove their strength by being freezing cold, Sometimes we try to prove our greatness in various ways. We try to prove our greatness by boasting of ourselves. You know, you just want to talk about yourself and you're the person that comes up in conversation often. Your conversation often. <laughs> you know, people that try to, uh, they try to find fulfillment in their identity. And well, this is, this is just my identity, or this is just who I am, or well, this is just, and, and people who try to bolster their fulfillment and try to uh, find fulfillment in life by focusing on the externals of their life, whether that be words or attire or whatever it may be. And so Paul, he writes to them and he writes to us today that it's not about externals. Instead, it's about the heart. And in a culture that was abusing and misusing a lady's role, Paul writes to try to remind the people of God that God is always, listen, if you, don't miss, if you miss everything else, don't miss this statement this morning. God is always interested in the heart. God is always interested in the heart. All the word of God is about God capturing your heart through his son, Jesus Christ. And so I want you to take your Bible with me this morning. And when we think about God being interested in the heart, what you notice from our passage, first of all, that God is interested in a heart that is close to him. God is interested in a heart that is close to him. If you were to go to verse nine and 10, we read this. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, 
not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, if we understand the ladies in that culture, they were trying to find approval with the exterior. In this specific passage, Paul is writing to help them understand, uh, um, listen, I'm writing to you because God is interested not more or less in what you adorn your outside with. He's interested in what you adorn your heart with. That's verse number 10. Hey, adorn your heart with godliness and good works. But Paul, he writes here, and the contrast is between the artificial glamour of the world and the true beauty of a godly life. Now, I want you to know something in this passage. God, and through Paul, he is not forbidding the use of jewelry or good and current clothes. Some people like to take this and they like to pull it out of, out of scripture and out of context and say, well, this verse means that you've got to fit this standard. That is, listen, don't miss it. God is interested in the heart. He's interested in the heart. Now, does God care about the outward? Yes. Well, what does God say? And this applies to men and women. Here's what God says in this verse. He says, I want you to adorn yourself with modest, modesty. What is modesty? Modesty means this, decent and orderly or not attracting attention to. He says, I want you to adorn yourself with shamefacedness. The shamefacedness, it means to avoid the extremes, the avoidance of the extremes. And he says, I want you to adorn yourself with sobriety. What is sobriety? A sound mind and a, a good sense. All of this describes an inner self-control that says, I'm not going to promote myself. <clears throat> you see, Ephesus, they had a, because of their commerce, they were very wealthy. And oftentimes, the ladies tried to compete against each other for attention and popularity. And so they would adorn themselves in things that were immodest, that would attract attention. They adorned themselves in uh, the extremes. They were not in shamefacedness. They went around with that broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And you say, well, is all of that sin? No, but the heart was sinning. Why? Because the attention, the intention was to draw attention. God spoke to my heart about this a long time ago. You say, why, pastor? What are you talking about? I used to wear, and some of you in our early days may remember, I, I, I still have them in my closet, very, very bright colors. I have very bright colors. I have a, I have a really awesome bright green shirt that goes with a really sweet paisley green tie. And it's one of those shirts that just pops. And I would wear bright yellow, and you can ask my parents, I'd wear the brightest orange I could find, construction orange. I would find a tie that would match it and wear it. That was me in college. But you know what? As I began to study out modesty, did you know modesty doesn't just apply to women? It applies to men too. And I realized the reason I was wearing that is because I wanted people to say, man, you look good today. That's a good-looking shirt. That's a good-looking tie. Man, I, I like that combo. Well, I, and I was realizing, you know what? My heart was saying, I want the attention. This is what Paul's writing about. 
He's saying, hey, adorn yourself. Yes, care about the outer, but hey, verse number 10, you need to care about the inner. Godliness that's gonna show up in good works. Hey, adorn your life with a right heart with God because out of a right heart will flow right actions. I said in our Life Stage Fellowship this morning, our doing flows out of our being. You and I, we will not do something for God unless we first are being something with God. And God is interested. He's interested in the heart. And um, this is what Paul is saying. Hey, adorn yourself with godliness and, and good works. And we need to understand this morning that godliness, it happens when a heart is focused upon the Lord and then good works are what flow out of this heart. Paul was challenging these ladies, hey, find your worth in your relationship with God. Don't try and draw attention to yourself and try to make yourself known to others because you are already known by God. Find your worth in that relationship with him. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and this is to everyone, not just the ladies. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17 and 18, here's what God said, I will receive you and be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Hey, God says, listen, you come to me, I will receive you. God says, I will in no wise cast you out. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is all that focused on? It's all focused on the heart. It's God saying, hey, don't try to appeal to this culture. Don't try to live out life finding fulfillment with culture. No, bring your heart to me and you'll find fulfillment. Bring your heart to me and you'll find a complete life. Bring your heart to me and you will find what you were made for. Can I just challenge you this morning to understand that God is interested in a heart that is close to him. You and I should find fulfillment in that truth and understand that a person who only depends on the externals will soon run out of ammunition. You may focus on boasting yourself verbally or boasting yourself in appearance. That may attract attention, but that will not win lasting affection or fulfillment that can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a believer, it can be so easy to get sucked into our culture and try and find your worth in an outer identity. And God says, no, find your worth in me. Find your worth in having a heart that is close to me a heart that is not concerned with proving worth through externals, but is more concerned with drawing close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I need to understand this morning that if you've received Jesus as Savior, you have worth. Think about this verse, Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, listen, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Oh, I say it often and don't ever, I hope it never gets old, but God will never love you any more or any less than he does right now. God does not look at you and say, oh, look at them. They're doing so good. I love them more. He looks at you and when he sees his son, he says, okay, son, I'll love them because of you. And he is our propitiation. He is the advocate. He is what we saw last week, the one who is the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You see, all of scripture, it's focused on the heart. The Old Testament, it's focused on the heart. Israel, the book of Hosea, listen, come back tonight, studying out Hosea chapter four. Hosea writes, hey, Israel, turn back to God with your heart. Your heart's gotten away from God. That's why your life's all fouled up. You've sought for fulfillment in the outer instead of finding it in that right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Believer, you don't have to try to prove your worth by drawing attention to you. 
Jesus Christ proved your worth by dying for you. So have a close heart with him. God's interested in a heart that's close to him. Number two, he's interested in a heart that comes beneath him. A heart that comes beneath him. Look at this in verse 11 down through verse number 14. Paul writes this, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. These verses, they can be very confusing. Let's just take just a minute and, and, and understand them. First of all, let me say that, uh, as I said a second ago, the scoffer would like to vilify these verses. The scoffer of Scripture would like to say that these verses are belittling women, but that is not the case at all. How, how, how do we know that? Because just look at women and their role in Scripture. Never underestimate the, importance, the important place that godly women played throughout the Word of God. Let me give you a few thoughts. The devoted women that ministered to Jesus in the days of his earthly ministry, you can go and read about them in Luke chapter 8. They were present at his uh, death, at the crucifixion, at the burial. And do you know who the people were that first heralded forth the resurrection? Women. In the book of Acts, you find Tabitha, Lydia, Priscilla, and godly women in the Berean churches and the churches at Thessalonica. In Romans 16, you find Paul greeting at least eight women that were, that were leading the cause of Christ in their uh, local assembly. They were not the pastors. They were not, that, that's what it's talking about, usurping the authority. They were not the ultimate leader, but they were the ones that was helping the church move forward. And so when you look at scripture, Paul is not teaching that a lady has no worth. He is actually giving a God-given order for protection because it is supposed to be a picture of our subjection or submission to him. Notice, if you will, a few words, the word Silence. Word silence, it doesn't mean no speaking. It means have a quiet and listen to this non meddling spirit. Now, I'm, I'm not at all going to try to pick on women. I'm married to one, <laughs> I was born to one. <clears throat> but let's be honest most ladies would admit, and a lot of men would too, that some ladies struggle with hearing a story and telling a story. I'll give you the Bible word for it. Gossip. <laughs> Pastor, you're calling us out. No, I'm calling my sisters out. Because I grew up with a mom and two sisters, basically three mothers. And my sisters, they aren't here. Yeah, thank you, Janet. They can't fend for themselves at all. Free game right now. My sisters growing up, you know what many of their stories began with? Mom, did you hear? <laughs> Mom, today at school so-and-so. Dad, today at church. And that still to this day, my sister will call me up. She'll be like, hey, uh, did you hear what mom said? You're still gossiping. When it's within the family, it's not really gossip. But you know what? Listen, because of that, here's what Paul writes. Hey, ladies, men, don't be meddling. 
Don't get into everybody's business. It's not your place. What's your place? Be submitted to God. Submit your heart to God. Submit your life to God. Come under him. All of this passage, oh, man, I wish I had the time. All this passage today, it goes, the word uh, um, subjection there in verse number 11, it means submission. And uh, it literally means to rank under. It's a military phrase. And anyone who served in the military or uh, any form of armed forces, you know that rank, listen, this is a great thought. Rank has, has, has to do with order and authority. It has nothing to do with value or ability. I'm going to say it again. Rank has to do with order and authority. It has nothing to do with value and ability. A sergeant is higher in rank than a corporal. But that rank does not necessarily mean that the sergeant is better than the corporal. We have some military here, and, and they would attest to that. Uh, Bill McKinney back there, we go to coffee every now and then, and, and Bill tells us the stories. Sometimes we hear the same stories, but they're a blessing. But uh, Bill will tell us about, well, when I was a sergeant, I had someone, he'll talk about somebody who was supposedly above him, and he'll say, yeah, they ended up getting kicked out of the military because they did such and such. So listen, the order of rank has to do with order and authority, not value and ability. You say, pastor, why is that? Because Paul is teaching in this, he's teaching a God-given order of protection because of how, how highly God views his creation. There is order all throughout scripture. Children, submit to your parents. Employees, submit to employers. Citizens, submit to the government when they're going along and not against God's word. Husbands, Submit to God. Wives, submit to your husbands. Submission is not subjugation. Subjugation means to bring under domination or control. Instead, it is recognizing God's order and following it. I don't have time to go through all of this, but that statement I said a second ago, I want to use it. Rank has to do with order and authority, not with value or ability. In this passage, God is trying to, through Paul, help these ladies understand. Because what they were doing is, when you look at verse number 12, I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over a man, but to be in silence. That word silence, again, is the same word uh, that we use, silence, in verse number 11. Hey, don't be meddling in everybody else's business. Here's what ladies were doing, and we see it in our culture with men and women trying to prove themselves by bolstering their worth in, in, in all of their comments. So even in the church, they would say, oh, well, I'm better than so-and-so because I, and oh, at the workplace, well, I'm better than them because I, and trying to prove all of who they are, think they are, by their, by their, by their language and by their words. And Paul is writing, hey, that's not what it's supposed to be. No, it, it, you need to be submitted to God. Let, let your worth be found. I love the statement. Let your worth be found in your birth, your birth in Jesus Christ. You were born into his family. Know that if you know him as Savior, you don't have to prove anything. You have God. You don't have to prove it outwardly. You don't have to prove it by force, by showing your strength. And then Paul gives great examples of it. Great examples of what God set in place. Adam was made before Eve. It's verse 13. He's not attacking anything. He's just saying, 
Adam was made first. What was God was doing that to show a picture? What is the home supposed to be? If the husband and the, the wife supposed to submit to the husband, what's it supposed to be? It's supposed to be a picture of God's love for his children. What's the workplace supposed to be? An employee submitting to an employer. It's us as servants of Christ submitting to him as the, as the shepherd. What is, uh, you look at government, it's us submitting to the kingdom of God. It's all just pictures pointing to Jesus and our relationship with him. And so Paul writes, and he's helping them understand, listen, when you got saved, the gospel changed your life. You don't need to find worth because culture says you're worth something or worthless. You find your worth in your relationship in God and in him alone. You see, the gospel had a tremendous impact on them because it affirmed their value before God and their equality in the church. God said, I'm doing this so you'll be a picture. You can go and rehearse all of this with scripture. All of scripture backs this up. I am doing, I, I'm telling you about the rank and the order because I want it to be a picture of the believer submitted to me. And let's be honest, when a believer is submitted to the Lord, that's when you find real fulfillment. When you're accomplishing what God has for you, why? Because you realize he has more for me than I could ever desire for myself. This is all a picture of a believer's submission to God. I've got so much more, but for sake of time, we've got to hurry. I want you to see this morning, number one, God is interested in a heart that's close to him. Number two, he's interested in a heart that comes beneath him. But then I want you to notice lastly with me this morning that God is interested in a heart that continues after him. Look at verse number 15 and explain it and we'll be done. Verse 15, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Just take this verse uh, bit by bit. The first part of it, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. Um, very quickly, God is just simply saying the woman will find true value in leading her children for the Lord. Ladies, if, if you have children, God says, I desire for you to lead them. I want you to lead them and lead them well. And moms, let me just challenge you this morning. Uh, wisely use the influence God gave you in your kids. Don't abuse it. Don't misuse it. Use it to guide them and point them towards the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you who have kids, God said, it's a, it's a principle in his word, that as you submit to the Lord, and lead your family, you'll find fulfillment. You'll find that joy. Ladies, some of you that do not have children, there is so much in the word of God about you investing your influence in others. We're gonna cover it in uh, 1 Timothy chapter five in just a few weeks, how God said, I've you, I wanna use the church so that you as believers can influence other people to walk with me and to be, uh, come to know me as savior. But what I really want us to see is the last part of that verse, verse 15. It says, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Here's the thought that regardless of who you are, you will find fulfillment and worth as you continue with the Lord and in following the Lord. Continue in faith and charity or love and holiness 
with spirit-filled thinking. That's what sobriety is. This is a call to continue trusting God, loving God, living for God, and allowing God to control your life. Can I tell you this morning that for every single person, man, lady, boy, or girl, God is interested in your heart continuing to follow after him. It is then and only then that we will find fulfillment and that we will find true worth because that's only found in our relationship with him. Continue with him, grow your faith. Continue with him, deepen your love. Continue with him, live out holiness. Continue with him, live a spirit-filled life. So here at this church at Ephesus, you have these believers Among them is a group of ladies. These ladies, they know Jesus as their Savior. They're facing temptation like everyone faces. They're facing the temptation to try and make a name for themselves. Facing the temptation of trying to find their worth in focusing on the externals. They're trying so many different ways to prove themselves and their greatness. Kind of remind you of some things going on right now? It does me. I see a lot of people, so-called Christians, that try to prove who they are by their words and by the externals. They try to find fulfillment by proclaiming everyone their own goodness. But Paul writes... If you know Jesus, find your worth in him. Understand that God's interested in your heart. He wants a heart that's close to him. He wants a heart that comes beneath him. And he wants a heart that continues after him. You see, you can, you can draw attention to you. And people may think you're a great person. But at the end of the day, you're going to be empty. The only true fulfillment you and I have is when we find fulfillment in a heart that is consumed with Jesus. Will you determine this morning that this week you're gonna find worth, find fulfillment in being consumed with him? Because when you're consumed with him, the externals, they'll take care of themselves because the God through his spirit he begins to help you and I understand who we are because we're finding our worth based upon our relationship with him. But maybe this morning, maybe you can't have a heart that's focused on him because in your heart, you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior. In your heart, there's a question. In your heart, you don't know that you'd spend eternity in heaven Oh, maybe you've gone to church in your life or you've been baptized or you've tried to be a good person. Listen, those things will not get you and I to heaven. The only thing that gets us to heaven, the only thing that gets us forgiveness from God is if we've asked Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin and to be our savior. A time when we've put our faith and our trust in his death, burial, and resurrection, understanding that he died for me and he died for you. 
I wonder, has there been a time where you've put your faith and trust in him? If there has, then you and I, we need to find that fulfillment completely in him. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.